You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 40. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to our 40th episode. We have just hit another milestone in our infancy of the show. So glad to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And just want to let you know, starting this 40th episode, that your feedback is very valuable to me. And if you have an idea for the show, have something that you'd like for us to discuss, please drop me a note through starcoachshow.com. Visit us on Facebook at Star Coach Show on Facebook and let us know what you think of the show, what other topics you'd like for us to cover. Would love to hear from you. So as we look at what we're going to do in today's show, we are going to focus on a very important subject, which is emotional intelligence, how we as coaches can engage in those powerful conversations that help us connect to our clients, help us influence the relationship in a way that helps the client create new awareness, to use our reflection and inquiry to help them dig deeper and learn more about themselves and to reach the kinds of goals that they're looking for. We talk about in today's show how to move into discomfort with our clients and be in that partnering relationship in a way that helps our clients learn more about themselves. And for us as coaches to be courageous enough to walk into that space with our clients, because until we look at some of the areas of discomfort, perhaps we're not really both supporting and challenging our clients in the way to help them gain that additional wisdom and insight into their own growth and their own experiences. Our guest today is Dr. Marsha Reynolds. She's an expert in organizational development in emotional intelligence. Organizations call her in to breathe life into their connections, into their conversations and their cultures. She's spoken and coached leaders in 36 countries and reached over 100,000 people worldwide through her training programs. Marsha is the author of Outsmart Your Brain, of Wonder Woman, and of The Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthroughs. She was the fifth president of the International Coach Federation and is currently a director on the global board. Her doctorate is in organizational psychology, and she continues to research on how coaching can help organizations prosper in today's chaotic and unpredictable world. She joins the show today to talk to us about how we can use emotional intelligence in our coaching. So let's go to our interview with Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Okay, I want to welcome 
Dr. Marsha Reynolds to the show. Marsha, it's great to have you join us today. Uh, Thank you. I'm so glad I could be here. I want to be able to tap into your wealth of knowledge about emotional intelligence and how we can use emotional intelligence in coaching. So let's start with maybe just a little bit about what even brought you into coaching to begin with, because you have a psychology background. What led you into the field of executive coaching? Well, actually, I worked for companies for 16 years in leadership development, communication skills, and it was kind of an accidental career where I was uh, hired to push television sets around in a hospital. And my boss decided to go get her doctorate and dump the department in my lap. And my first assignment was the management training when I, in my twenties. So I had to quickly learn how to design training. So my focus was always on how do I I design good training? So people actually go out and, and do what they were taught. And yet over the years, and even with other degrees that I added to that, I found that people, even when they uh, enjoyed the training and they would go out and do some things, but really changing their behavior, it didn't stick. So there's always this frustration and, and I, it made me be a real uh, student of behavioral change. How do we make changes? What stops people from changing? So when I left my last corporate position, and it was right before I left, I read this article on coaching. And I thought, whoa, you know, I always like to work one-on-one. And I realized that when I had a relationship with people and I could talk to them, that they were more apt to implement what they were learning. So it was that I I actually joined the coaching school even right before I left my last job. But then it was a year later when I read Daniel Goldman's book on emotional intelligence. And so you have to also know that my last two jobs were in high tech. And so my my last job was a semiconductor company who believed in data. And not that emotion stuff, but they allowed me to do that fluffy stuff because we were in big change. We actually went from this close to bankruptcy and three years later, we were the top IPO in the United States. Wow. So the edge of bankruptcy into the top. Success. And I was in charge of the people and, and they gave me a budget and said, do whatever you do. And I had some champions and we did some great work. And I still, and then when it was over, they're like, okay, that's nice. Now go back to fixing the factory and and you can stop all that stuff. It's like they still didn't see that the power of what we did was based on interactions and encouragement and the leaders really supporting their people, that it was all emotionally based. So when I found emotional intelligence, I said, well, of course, everything rests on our emotions, either what drives our behavior or what stops our behavior. So I found that the combination of the two, the coaching technique plus the emotional intelligence, you know, when you put those two together, that to me, that was like, bingo, that's really it. That's what's going to make the difference. And it's even why I went on to earn my doctorate was I wanted to learn more about the brain because clearly it was this was the doorway into what really makes change stick so i really wanted to get deep into how does coaching work in the brain and what are the impact of emotions so i wed them both together but also with the knowledge of change in the brain so that's the journey <laughs> that's a great journey 
And so now you're in a place where you both coach and, and use emotional intelligence in your coaching and you train coaches on how to use emotional intelligence. So yeah. how do you impart that wisdom in for coaches who want to be able to use emotional intelligence in their coaching? Well, whether you're a leader or a coach or a mother or a, <laughs> or a friend, in order to be good at emotional intelligence, you have to start with yourself. I've separated out reflective intelligence from emotional intelligence. I believe emotional intelligence really looks at what am I feeling and what do I do with that? And how do I actually help you to understand what's going on with you and what's stopping you or driving you? But before we can even get there, I have to be able to to stop and and really look at what's going on with me. Before I even identify it as an emotion, there's even being able to notice that I have a shift going on, that I'm sensing something. So like one of the most powerful skills, I think, in coaching is to even know what does judgment feel like? So I know that that where it feels in me, it's mm-hmm. like, it, it's like rises up. <laughs> you know, okay, so judgment for you just rises up and... <laughs> and how long does it take you to kind of tune into, oh, there it is again. I'm feeling the judgment rise. Yeah. Well, because I practice it, it's fairly quick mm-hmm. that I'll notice. So like, for example, I told you that I, I teach emotional intelligence and teach at coaching schools in China. So I was coaching, uh, doing a demo. It was uh, last fall. The gentleman worked for HR, was running the HR department and was considering being a coach when he retires, which was coming up in a couple of years. And, but he wasn't sure if that was the route he wanted to go. So I asked him, I said, what is it that you, that you truly enjoy about the work you do now? And he said, oh, I love developing people. I love it when they see their potential and they know they can achieve it. You know, that, that sense um, in them and, and, and when the light bulb goes off. And I'm like, yeah, great. And then he says, and I really love instilling the principles of communism. I could feel it rising up in me that, oh, I have a little judgment. And then, but because I could quickly feel the emotion in my body, I don't have to think about it. It's like, breathe, be present, and come back to appreciating this this wonderful man in front of you who wants to develop people. Now, the interesting thing is I went to a couple of these women who are trained coaches afterwards, and I wanted to share the experience with them. So I described it, and and they were just staring at me blankly. I'm like, you know, democracy, communism, we're kind of like different value sets, nothing. And I'm like, got it. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea what I experienced. So yeah, it's so funny that we get so tied into right and wrong. Right and our own biases that we don't even notice. And again, for me, it wasn't about judging in that moment what was right or wrong or should I be coaching him or anything. It wasn't that. Coaching is about presence and the deepening of of mastery in coaching is the deepening of our presence. And the quicker that I can identify that I have a judgment coming up or I have something that I have. Anything that could block the presence. Anything is to be able to notice, to, to breathe, to release it and come back to, to appreciating the person in front of me. 
So that's a tip that the coaches listening could do immediately. Become aware of where the blocks are. The minute that you become aware of them, kind of breathe, release them through a breath or right. and get back to appreciation. And, and, and the thing that I know from emotional intelligence is that, that I can't tell you where you might feel that. You have to start noticing it in yourself. So I told you, I feel it here and it kind of bubbles up. Some right people, out of your core. Yeah. yeah, but some people, you know, they, they do that and they'll feel, they feel it in their shoulders. Or, yeah. And I've had people say, oh, I clench, my hands clench. So the skill is how quickly can you identify? And I would say, just pay attention. In the next week, no matter who you're talking to, it'll come up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I see it all the time when I go to the airport, my little judgment thing. <laughs> Always. And for as much as you travel, you're definitely tuned into that, huh? Oh, and I still comes up. And so it, it's good practice. Oh, look, there it is again. <laughs> well, but that's a key thing. It doesn't necessarily just have to be when we're coaching. We're human. Like everywhere right. we go. That's we tune into every step we take. Right. So, so, and that's the best practice is those places where you know you're going to get triggered. And it could be right in your home. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's often where our judgments comes up because we have these expectations of right and wrong. So, so again, it's good practice then is to notice. And that's why I call it reflective intelligent. I'm just noticing. So don't, you don't have to do anything with it in other than notice and let it go and just practice that. And so you would teach coaches that from the get-go. What are some of the key resources you like to use with people to help them learn and explore and understand more about emotional intelligence? Other than my books, of course. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about the books that you've written? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, my, my first book, Outsmart Your Brain, which the version two, the rewritten version will be out next month. That I actually recorded one of my emotional intelligence workshops way back when I started. And then I had it transcribed. And that was how I, I worked with that. And that was how I first published a book. And so just as a side note, when people say, oh, I don't know how to write a book. Well, just record yourself teaching something and, and then transcribe, transcribe it. it and tweak it and you and, have a book. Yeah, or at least a booklet. So it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> and that's Outsmart Your Brain. That was your first book. Yeah, and okay. that's the foundational elements of emotional intelligence. It, yeah, again, I rewrote it because it still sells well. And so I wanted to really update it with, because our brain science is changing. And if anyone's t- t- talking to you about brain science, but they don't keep up with the research, they could easily be t- telling you something that's just not true anymore. So you have to kind of stay up with that. So, so it's the latest as of now. <laughs> right. As of this minute. Yeah. 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 So that, that'll be out in August. Um, but the, then I wrote Wonder Woman, which is based on my doctoral research on smart, strong women in the workplace. It's a really good coaching book that talks about the challenges that smart, strong women face because most books are written for women who can't speak up or lean in. And a lot of my clients, that's not their problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they know how to do that. They may do it too much. I researched that and, and it turned into a book. I found, a publisher found me, actually. So that's, that's always nice. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I 
at an ICF conference. At an ICF conference. I, Another good reason to go to ICF yeah, conferences. Right. Yeah. I sat next to her in a breakout session and that's how I found a publisher for my for my first published book. So you see, <laughs> they're trolling the ICF conferences too. <laughs> There's a lot of good that comes from ICF. Right, right. So then the last one I wrote, The Discomfort Zone, is on the it's really coaching conversations, but when they get feel stuck or difficult. So I wrote it for leaders because my publisher said, write it for leaders. The coaches will buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way I hit both audiences, but it's really about staying really present. And how do you hear what's really blocking this person who is stuck or resistant? How do you hold that space? And how do you listen with your nervous system so you know what to feed back that may make a difference? to them. So the discomfort zone goes into that deeper place. Kind of walking into the discomfort of conversation, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where we get stuck. And uh, what prompted me to write it was actually after assessing, you know, I've been assessing coaches for certification since the beginning of certification. Through the ICF. Because Marsha is on our ICS global board. So um, she's a great representation of us in the United States as as on your multicultural board. Thank you. And, and, you know, I was actually a founding member and the fifth global president of the ICF. Wow. I've been around since the very beginning. So when I was president was when certification first came into real uh, full board. So I been an assessor for a number of schools as well as the ICF. And and I found that even really masterful coaches, that they would take their clients to a certain point and then they back off. It was like they just weren't willing to take them over the edge and into that discomfort zone. Yes. And that fear. And and oftentimes they'll even say that the fear of 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 hurting my client. And my coach always says, you know, nobody ever died from coaching, (laughs) right? That's a good quote. Yes. Yes. So really all I can say is no, or they can get mad at you. And sometimes that's good that when you touch that, that spot that, that causes that reaction, it causes a deeper reflection in them. So that willingness of the coach just to go over that edge, just a little to ask that challenging questions or make that reflection that makes the person stop, question themselves, and maybe even react. I've had clients yell at me. And you're, you're still here alive to talk about it. And they didn't fire me. So yeah. <laughs> I worried about that, but it didn't happen. You know, and that's actually when breakthrough can happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I wrote The Discomfort Zone was really to describe how does breakthrough happen in the brain and why we need to have the courage to go to that point, because that's really going to make the difference in our coaching sessions. Uh, so um, go, just go there. You no, know, that's so interesting mm-hmm. to me. That kind of feeds into the competency of trust and intimacy yes. in that we're trusting our client that they can walk there with us, that we're really trusting mm-hmm. their part too. It's not just about the client yes. trusting the coach. It's about the coach trusting that the client can, can 
go there with us. Right. And, and Meg, isn't that the definition of partnering? Yes. You know, and that that's to me the distinction of coaching and anything else. You know, with the ICF definition of, of coaching is that it's a partnering, not a partner, but a partnering relationship, yes. which means that I trust that you are fully whole, resourceful and capable and you're not going to fall apart if right. I ask you a tough question. And I love that you tied it to trust and intimacy because into trust is one thing, but intimacy means that you are, that we have created a relationship where I can ask you the question that where you might feel a little vulnerable and that's okay. Right. Cause I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to partner yes. with you through yes. it and we're going to be okay with it. And mm-hmm. I will tell you that, that we're far more likely to hear from clients who got pushed into that discomfort zone and survived it and came out better for it to be huge sort of supporters of what coaching can do. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And especially when we get those those tough clients. Yeah. A lot of my top level leaders, if I did not challenge them, then we wouldn't even have a relationship. They would just quit coming to the calls. So right. Yeah. Well, and isn't it true that many times the people at those high levels don't have people who who challenge right. them and and they they need a coach that's willing yeah. to kind of go there with them. Absolutely. And, and because they 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 know things aren't just right. Yeah, they're yeah. smart. Yeah. Right, but 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 they're not going to admit to it themselves and people won't tell them. Right. So it it's on us to to ask that tough question. Yeah. So might you have an example of a client that you've worked with that you had to maybe push into that discomfort zone and the result that occurred from being willing to be that partner with them? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think I mentioned you before. I have like some real extreme ones. I had this one client. He was a young CEO and they're he he came on board and there was a lot of trouble with the stock prices and he hired me actually to initially do some focus groups with the employees to find out what's going on with them and what what will it take to reestablish trust and hope in this organization so i was sitting in the lobby waiting for him to come in because we were going to finalize the questions and i watched him he parked his car and because it was glass doors, right? And, and he slammed the car door. He goes marching into the lobby. He opens the doors. He goes marching through. He doesn't even notice me. He goes down the hallway, goes into his office, slams the door shut. So I go up to his office, you know, knock on the door and, you know, come in. And I said to him, I, I said, do you have any idea of how you entered this building? And he's like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I said, well, just track back. You know, let's just kind of walk through it. So he started to say, okay. So I kind of came in kind of abruptly. And so then I asked him, I said, so what are what is it you wanting me to develop, you know, to find out in your employees? He says, well, I want to know, you know, why they aren't trusting what's going on and why they're, they're scared. <laughs> <laughs> I said, so gee, so do you think that your behavior might have anything to do with their fear? So, you know, the question could be a little bit leading. Well, but also definitely willing to kind of walk into some of that discomfort. Yeah. 
right. And, and, and he, he, and he didn't take it on at first. He was like, well, I have so many things on my mind and the stock market is going down and they have to understand. And I'm like, oh, they have to understand. So I just kept feeding it back because I love reflection. I think direct love- education is just as important as questions. You know, so I just kept saying, so let me tell you what you're telling me. Let me tell you what you're telling me. You're telling me that your behavior doesn't really matter, that they should understand. So how real is that, that they should just understand? So again, I just kept feeding back to him when he was giving to me. And he finally says, okay, fine. I get it. I get it. (laughs) And so it was easy enough at that point to say, so if you get that your behavior is affecting their feelings, what is it you need to do now? And then he came up with, I need to go sit down and talk to people. I need to go into the cafeteria. I need to talk to them, let them see that I'm a human, you know, and just even say um, that if, if you've seen me do this, it, it's not because we're going downhill. It's, you know, I'm so concerned about this, but I really want to hear what you have to say. So he was then open to looking at what he might do to rebuild trust and create some hope and take away some of the fear. So like that was extreme, whereas sometimes it's just a matter of, again, just reflecting back and 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 asking some questions. I had one woman, she was a senior VP of a retail chain, one of the largest here in the U.S. And before that, she was a corporate attorney. And she called me one day and she says, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, I just can't manage what I'm doing. It's just way, way too much. I need you to tell me how to prioritize. And I said, oh, I hear, I hear it in your voice. That is, you know, way consuming. And you're the senior vice president of this large retail chain. Prior to that, you were a super successful corporate attorney. I have to think that somewhere along the line, you learned how to prioritize or you wouldn't be where you're at. Is that correct? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, so tell me, what is it that's stopping you now from prioritizing, doing this thing I know you know how to do? What's stopping you now? Long pause. And this is often what happens when you ask that question that makes them question themselves. You know, they go inward. And what happens is actually the brain is rewiring at that moment, trying to make sense Mm -hmm. of what you just asked them. And after a long pause, she came back and said, I'm not sure why I'm doing it. I've lost my vision. And I said, okay, that's a different topic. So instead of talking about prioritizing, which I know you know how to do, (laughs) Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, what that, what did you have a vision? You use the word lost. Mm-hmm. Did you have one. And we got into this conversation where she said, yeah, it's why she even took the job in retail was her and her husband wanted to start a restaurant. And at the end, I mean, you know, very quickly in the conversations, she said, well, I guess I need to go back and talk to him to see if that's what we still want to do. And she did. And when she came back to the next call, she said, um, we have revised our vision. I know what it is I need to learn and why I'm here. And I still need to be here for another year or so. And you're right. It has nothing to do with prioritizing. <laughs> but then she was back. And it sounds like, I mean, just you back. reflecting her voice that the, the overwhelm came down. She was able to find her foundation again and and resettle so right so you're absolutely right so first I had to acknowledge where she was at Mm -hmm. and okay that's the first thing is that 
there's nothing wrong with anybody's emotions. I don't care if they're screaming at you. Right, I've had people get right up in my face. You know, right. it is what it is. Right. And, and a coach should never say, oh, it's okay, you know, that you feel that way, or you don't have to feel like that. Don't do that. You know, it better just to say, wow, I understand. Like I had this woman who was screaming at people in meetings and it's like, wow, it seems like there's you know something going on here. And I didn't make her wrong for doing that. I just said, wow, it seems like something's going on. And then the question I asked was, then who are they all out to get you? And she's like, well, no, I don't think so. I said, so who are you mad at? You know, which opened the door that truly she was mad at herself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was another conversation. If you don't judge. And so, again, this is a great time to notice when you've got your own discomfort coming up because the person is angry or they're afraid. uh, They're judging other people, whatever's going on. And they may even be mad at you. What's the value of this coaching? I don't know. You know, don't get triggered by that. You just say you acknowledge what they're experiencing and then just be curious about it. And, you know, it helps them then to look at themselves and to understand their experience and then move forward. So remove any judgment from emotions. That's the first thing. And don't try to fix them and make it go away. You know, emotions are just energy moving inside of you and between you. That's all it is. And we just need to accept it as that. That's really powerful stuff. And I know that many times, and and you might experience this in in the coach training programs you do, at first, new coaches will say to me, well, that's emotional. Should I refer them to therapy? Yeah. And and I'll say, you know, emotions are just part of who we are. Just because somebody's emotional doesn't mean that they're not appropriate for coaching. Right. How do you respond to that kind of a query? Well, first off, that a coach should always acknowledge when there's an emotional expression, whether they use the words or they just demonstrate it and be curious about that, because usually that's the key to what it is they need to look at and resolve their problems. The other thing is, that the only time that the that that it would be an indication of therapy is that if it's truly a block to the person moving forward. So once you identify the emotion and you say so, let, so would you be willing to talk about that? If they get into it and and you, and you say, is this something that's going to stop you from moving forward? They're generally, if you've created a safe space that trusts and intimacy, you know, and there's what we call psychological safety with you, they'll tell you whether they really feel that this is going to stop them or no, they can move through this. So I've had some people that have said, you know, this is an ongoing thing. I see it's it's repetitive in my life and I can't seem to 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 resolve it. Clear indication of therapy. You know, so that's that's the key. Is is it truly stopping the person from moving forward? If not, then it's something that that you want to bring into your coaching. And and to, and it, when you look at the definition of uh, uh, what direct communication is, it's not just clear communication. It's being able to share what you're sensing, your not your senses, your intuition, what you're picking up from the person that's going on with them in that moment. And and just making an offer, 
I'm sensing this. Is that true? And let them respond because usually that will take it deeper, whether you are right or not. And, and maybe you're not, and that's okay, but they're going to tell you then what it really is. So it's almost like that that's a part of coaching. It's not a, it's not optional. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is, is such good stuff. As we, I, I can't believe that, that our time is already up at this point. It feels like we just started. Any sort of final takeaways that you would like for people to think about when they think about coaching with emotional intelligence? Yeah. I actually had an, an acting coach once tell me something that, that has stuck with me, whether I was coaching or teaching. And he said to me, he goes, you know what? It's none of their business what they think of you. And he was talking about the audience. He says, your business is to give 100%. And for every little bit that you're worried about how they're going to respond to you, then you're not giving what they paid for. And I think it's the same in coaching that your job is to be totally present with them 100%. And you can't worry about how they're going to react to something. You just make the offer and then they respond and they'll either go with you or they won't. You know, but you, so, so that all that, well, I might hurt them or they're going to have an emotional reaction. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just just share it and again, be open to however it is they respond. And if they say no, then that's great. Then you just move forward from there. So they, I said, don't worry about being perfect. Uh, be present. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your time and all of your wisdom. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you. I feel so blessed and fortunate every single week that we have such fabulous experts willing to come on the show and share their wisdom with us. I want to thank Dr. Marshall Reynolds again for sharing her perspectives on emotional intelligence. If you'd like to know more about Dr. Marshall Reynolds, about her books, or about our show, visit starcoachshow.com and check out our resource page. And our contact page is where you would go to sign up for our ongoing book giveaway and to give me any feedback you might want to about the show. We currently have copies of Divine Intelligence from Dr. Jane Gardner in our book giveaway. Be sure that you keep posted for more information coming about our upcoming membership site. And I just want to thank you again for being a part of the show, visiting with us each week to get new ideas and tools, tips, and strategies for your coaching business. So until next week, this is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fabulous week.